Good morning and welcome to another episode of Daily American Press's Chatting with Abby. I really hoped that there would be a verdict that I would be able to discuss with you today on the Kyle Rittenhouse trial and that is just not the case. It is Friday morning and we still do not have a verdict. But I do want to take this opportunity to discuss a few more things about the trial with you. I know I talked about the trial last week, so I won't do the whole episode on the trial, but there were just a couple things that I found concerning about the events surrounding the trial. And this is more about the rhetoric and the media behavior surrounding the trial. So the most common thing I hear from people who think Kyle is guilty the most common rhetoric that I hear is that he had no right to be there, he crossed state lines, he he was there looking for trouble, um, he had, just just bringing the gun there was a bad thing. And there's a, there's a lot of problems with that rhetoric. First of all, this is America. We can, we can go wherever we want in America. You can't attribute motive to someone and then convict them on that motive just based on the fact that they were a white kid who decided to be at a BLM riot for any reason at all. The attitude in that is that because he wasn't there to support BLM, that he had no right to be there. This is the first time in recent history that we've heard the left give a shit about any type of border, um, not our country's national border. It's it's crazy to me, especially as someone who lives near a state border and travels back and forth between states every single day, this idea that you don't have the right to cross a state border. I live in West Virginia, but I work in Virginia, so I cross that border every single day, and I consider myself part of the Loudoun County community where I work and in the Bunker Hill, West Virginia where I, community where I live. Um, you are part of the communities you are active in daily, but even if Kyle had traveled 10 hours to be at that riot, He still would have had the right to be there as an American citizen. He would have had just as much right to be there as anybody who was there. Um, The two young men that he shot that night, or the two young men he killed, three young men he shot that night, traveled farther than he did to be there. Now, they didn't cross a state line, but they traveled farther. The argument is simply ridiculous and, and very concerning that that we would even have rhetoric that would imply that an American citizen didn't have a full right to be anywhere in America at any given time. And these things won't be said out loud. The The part about, oh, he, he shouldn't have been there will be said out loud. But the part where he shouldn't have been there because he was white and because he wasn't supporting Black Lives Matter, the only people who should have been there were the people supporting Black Lives Matter that night. He shouldn't have been putting out fires in the streets. Those things are are very barely being said out loud. Um, because the minute you start to say that that quiet part out loud, that's when it 
the sheer ridiculousness of it becomes apparent. Now, even in the trial, I was surprised how much it was implied that Kyle shouldn't have been there putting out fires, that he shouldn't have thought it was his job to, to take on that responsibility of helping his community to, to put out fires, to offer medical aid. The idea that he he was stupid and out of line to put himself in that position. And I think we're at the point where they want to defund the police and anybody who wants to step up and take on some of the responsibility in that gap is not going to be accepted. They don't want anybody in that gap. They want to cause the destruction that they want to cause and they don't want anybody to stand in the way. And Kyle was the enemy that night and is the enemy today because he was trying to stop people from burning down his city, his town. He was trying to mitigate the damage that Black Lives Matter was causing. And that's why he was attacked and that's why he's on trial. The other reason he's on trial is because he was carrying an AR-15. And this is the other concerning bit of rhetoric that Kyle had that weapon. And because he had that weapon, because he came into that area carrying that weapon, people have decided that he's guilty, that he was looking for trouble, that the the existence of his AR-15 is evidence of his motive. And if Kyle can be convicted on that, on the assumption that because he was carrying an AR-15, he intended to kill people, he went there hunting people. If, if he can be convicted on that, then AR-15s are effectively made illegal. Because even though there's not a law against AR-15s, so much motive has been attributed by Kyle, to Kyle in the media in particular, and in a good portion of the public that so many people seem to think that they can assume his motive based on the fact that he had that gun in the first place. So if Kyle is convicted, I would say it's not safe for anybody to be carrying a gun like that anywhere because chances are they're going to get they're going to get um, in trouble for it and then possibly put in jail for it. And that's, that's really scary, the thought that someone be, could be convicted by the media on a law that doesn't even exist. Now, a lot of people have been saying that Kyle was a minor and wasn't allowed to be carrying the gun. And my response to that is, if that's true, then he would be charged with that. The reason he's not being charged with possession of a gun by a minor is because the law in Kenosha is so murky on that issue that they they couldn't hold him to it. The law essentially is is written vaguely on purpose. You can't buy an AR-15 as a minor, but you can have it. It's not illegal to have it and use it. And Kyle had been using it for target practice and and things like that previously. So that's why he's he's not being charged with it. And um, it shouldn't be used against him because 
not only not only is he not being charged with the with possession of a gun by a minor um kyle himself read the law to at least claim to have read the law to be that he was completely allowed to carry it so trying to attribute motive to him based on the fact that as a 17 year old he was carrying that gun is again ridiculous and again if he can be convicted on it that that's a pretty terrible step in the wrong direction as far as our second amendment rights now here's a quick note on second amendment rights because i hear one piece of rhetoric against the second amendment that i hear constantly is when our founding fathers wrote that they had no idea that a machine gun could exist they had no idea how many people you could kill in a row with with an automatic rifle they just meant muskets and here's the thing they said in the second amendment they gave permission for people to own the wep- the highest level of weapon that they they knew about um the same level of weapon that the government owned and i think that that's that's the the real the real point there is that the point of the second amendment is that the citizenry can be armed to the same extent that the government is because any time throughout history that a government has been armed more heavily than the citizenry has had the right to own a much higher level of weaponry than the citizenry bad things happen when you when the government has all these weapons and they they disarm their people first they disarm their people then they take away their freedoms because their people can't fight back the point of the second amendment is a deterrent against the government to take away freedoms that was written during a time when they had just experienced tyranny and our founding fathers were trying to write a document that would ensure that we would never fall under tyranny again they were trying to create a government that would be safe against tyranny and to set up the types of checks and balances that would keep tyranny away and a huge one of those checks was to allow the citizenry to be equally armed to the government as a deterrent to the government for stepping on them treading on them so that's just a note on that another thing about the the um the rhetoric surrounding the rittenhouse trial that's concerning is the sheer number of people who are willing to hold joseph rosenbaum one of the young men that kyle killed up as a hero now it is possible for somebody to be a bad person and still not deserve to die in a particular way so i think kyle is innocent um because he was defending himself however even if he wasn't and even if he was guilty of murdering joseph rosenbaum it would still be wrong because of who joseph rosenbaum is to hold joseph rosenbaum up as some sort of hero and some sort of martyr in this society it wasn't until recently that people realized that the two young men that kyle killed weren't black (laughs) because the narrative from the very beginning is that kyle was a white supremacist who went to kenosha hunting black people and that's just not true um both Joseph Rosenbaum and the other young man whose name I just have a really hard time remembering. I've seen it over and over and over. I don't know if it's the pronunciation or what it is, but I have a hard time with it. But Joseph Rosenbaum 
was a convicted child rapist. That he had raped little boys, been convicted of that on several counts, not just once, but several times, had he been convicted of raping young boys. That he was on the street at all is is angering to me. That somebody could rape a child and then be out on the street at any point for the rest of their lives is is angering to me. Because to me, once you've done it once, there's no coming back from that. You don't rehabilitate after raping a child. The level of depravity that you have to reach to take someone who is so much weaker than you and so innocent and so trusting as a child and as a grown-up in their life to take them and rape them, I don't think that there's any coming back from that as far as your soul goes. Now, I believe that God can forgive any sin, but I don't think that anybody who has reached that level of depravity is is likely to turn to God and and confess their sin. If they do, great, but that's a whole that's between them and God. I don't think a person who has committed that type of act should ever walk free again once convicted. But the left is out there holding up Joseph Rosenbaum as a hero. The signs that are waving, the rhetoric that's being that's being spread about Rosenbaum in particular is horrifying that a child rapist would be held up as a hero for this generation. It's worse than George Floyd being held up as a hero because George Floyd, as nasty and awful of a person as he was, didn't, to our knowledge, rape children. Now, The two young men that Kyle killed, between the two of them, had an incredibly ridiculous rap sheet. They, between the child rape and and the other violent crimes that they had committed, between the two of them, if Kyle had fired blindly into a jail, chances are he would have killed better people than he happened to kill that night in Kenosha. That's a wild thing to think about to me, that the people he happened to kill that night were so vile that they just represented some of the worst of our society, and yet they're being held up as heroes by the left. I find the... You know what? A society has lost its way when it starts celebrating criminals and and vilifying heroes i was just reading the crucifixion story in luke um, the gospel of luke the other day and remembering and reading again the part where jesus is on trial they want to crucify jesus and he's on trial in front of pontius pilate and pontius pilate has this tradition where he sets free one person each year Um, And he asks the crowd, he's like, do you want me to set Jesus free? Or do you want me to set free this violent criminal who's been, uh, who's basically an anarchist, who has been um, a political dissident and, and violent and 
and just nasty. And the crowd's like, yeah, we want the violent criminal. Kill Jesus. Kill this person who has done nothing but heal people, nothing but help people, nothing but speak the truth. We hate him because he speaks the truth. Set free this violent criminal instead. And I thought when I read that, wow, none of this is new. We've been, as human beings, as wicked human beings, we've been doing this shit for ages. Since the beginning, we have been choosing violent criminals and celebrating violent criminals over the people who speak the truth and try to help because those people make us so uncomfortable with ourselves and we don't like it when they exist in the world. Kyle makes people uncomfortable because he shows how desperate the situation in the city was that night. That there were fires that a kid, a 17-year-old kid, would feel like he had to run down the street trying to put out. That there were people hurt on the street that a 17-year-old kid would feel like he had to help. That that a person who was trying to help people would get attacked, not by one person, not by two people, but by an entire crowd. And that that 17-year-old kid who was just there trying to help people would be, that the crowd would try to kill him for it. It's just incredible to me. But on on the subject of pedophilia, that is becoming more and more accepted, more and more normalized, And the push to normalize pedophilia and decriminalize pedophilia is becoming stronger and stronger and more and more mainstream. And that is, that's horrifying. Now, I'll have to admit, back when I was in high school and I heard the rhetoric from conservatives that was saying, well, if we legalize gay marriage, it's just a slippery slope into legalizing pedophilia. And I was like, no, that's ridiculous. Just just let them do what they want. Leave them alone. Like, they're not threatening you. They're not hurting you. They just want to get married. That's fine. And that was my position back then. I was like, just leave the gay people alone to do their own thing. They're gonna, they're gonna have sex anyway, so we might as well, you know, give them marriage. Why, why, the government, in my mind, the government doesn't determine marriage in the first place. It's just a piece of paper. God determines marriage. So what's, What's the big deal if we give gay people a piece of paper to to say that they're in a committed relationship? I didn't care, and I didn't believe that it would be a slippery slope to pedophilia. And it's only a few years later, and here we are, trying to normalize pedophilia. It's absolutely crazy and horrific to me. Um, And it's terrifying to me to see not only the number of celebrities who have been shown to have been involved in pedophilia. Every, everything from, from Epstein to uh, Christian comedian John Christ. Um, just the number of people who in, main, in the mainstream have been shown to be in relationships with minors, justifying that, getting away with that. Um, but also in my own life... Um, two men that I know, fathers of close friends of mine, um, people whose houses I stayed in, stayed overnight in, um, two are now in, in prison for, for sexual crimes against their children. Um, and it's, it's horrifying to me that even in my limited personal experience, 
there's such a high percentage of of pedophilia that's just it's horrifying to me it it gives me pause when i think about trying to bring a kid into this world um it really does um so this is this is where we're at we have the trial of Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, Jeffrey Epstein's girlfriend, coming up, happening right now, getting a lot less coverage than, than Kyle. Uh, and I, I don't know if when we get a verdict for Kyle, if, if the news cycle will pick up Ghislaine Maxwell or if it'll try to bury that story. But it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because I think that this is the frontline battle right now, um, the over pedophilia, over the trans agenda, which is which is tied closely in. It's a battle for our children and for sexually protecting our children. And, and there are strong forces on both sides. I think we've seen some victories um, on our side against it, but we've also seen there is a foundation that... Um, Shu on head who is a youtuber and and active on twitter did a an expose on the foundation prostasia which claims to be an organization that that protects children they are located across the street from a school but if you read their website if you look into what they do what it really is is trying to normalize pedophilia and setting up facilitating chat rooms where pedophiles can talk to minors and that's a that organization exists and has tax-exempt status has an active account on twitter is an active force fighting for pedophiles to be normalized it is absolutely horrifying to me um we're we're failing our kids and if, if we can't I would argue that the reason we have so many gender-confused children, not every single one of them, but the reason we have so many trans kids is that so many of those people were sexually abused. So many of those kids had or still have a pedophile in their lives who got away with hurting them and confusing them. At, At the very least abusing them with verbally abusing them in ways that confuse them about their sexuality so in this whole conversation in this whole fight against pedophilia i think we have to recognize that the trans issues and the pedophilia issue are intertwined and this is not a fight we can afford to lose so with that I am going to move on to a bit of a book review and it's going to tie in to what I've been saying. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about Michael Knowles' book, Speechless, that came out a couple months ago, Michael Knowles of The Daily Wire. But I think it's pertinent now because what Speechless does is talks about words and the left's desire to police language. And a great example of that is how we've been calling people who are attracted to children and who rape children 
pedophiles. And now the left wants to say, no, 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 we're not going to call them pedophiles anymore. We're going to call them maps. We're going to call them minor attracted persons. And what the left does is it says, I don't like the idea that you're communicating with this word. So even though the word itself is fine, the word pedophile just means child lover. That's, that's what it means um, in Greek, I believe. But they don't like the idea that is communicated, the stigma that is communicated when that word is used. So they want to change the word. After the word maps is accepted and then in circulation enough, it will pick up the same stigma because the idea still exists even though the word has changed. Then the left will change that word. And they've been doing that. They've been doing that with words about people who are, who have learning disabilities, people who are retarded, even though that, that's not a word. The word retarded just means slow. There's nothing wrong with that word. But that word's not allowed anymore because of an idea that it communicates that the left doesn't like. So Michael's book about the left's war on words and the war on ideas via the um, the weapon of policing language is really, really interesting. And I would encourage you to, to read that book and, and just kind of watch the progression of some of these battles through language over the last few decades. Um, it's a very Marxist um, thing to police language like that since... It's really interesting, but um, I thought I had one more thing I wanted to share with you, but my mind is blanking on it, so I am just going to let you go. I hope you have a great day, and I hope that we get a verdict soon, and I really, really hope and pray that Kyle gets justice and that Kyle gets to go free. All right, I'll see you on Twitter. Bye-bye.